Good morning, everybody. Today we'll be learning about Hashem, Dath Mem Ches, and Mesechat Pesachim. And we begin, astonishingly, on Dath Mem Ches. The first wide line. Wait, no, the second wide line. Yeah, the second wide line. Yesterday, you might recall, we were talking about the Machlokas of Chista and Rabbah. What's their Machlokas? The Machlokas is that Rav Chista thinks that you could prepare from Yontif to Shabbos, Mi Iker Hadin. And that the whole idea of Erev Tafshilin is just a Heker Der Abanam. That's Rav Chista. Rabbah holds, they both hold la'alacha that you could prepare from Yontif to Shabbos. Rav Chista thinks it's because Me'ikar Adin you'll have to prepare from Yontif to Shabbos. Rabbah says, no, you can't prepare from Yontif to Shabbos Me'ikar Adin, it's just that we hold of the principle of Hoel. We hold of the principle of Hoel Vikle Orkin. That is the first idea. That's the, the, the um, idea. So then we went through a whole bunch of proofs that they tried to bring back and forth. And one of the last proofs that they tried to bring was this idea of the, the individual that commits, that does one act and commits five uh, lavin, whereby he gets five sets of malchus. It's very, very interesting. And so at the end, we said, what did this individual do? He cooked what? Gid Hanasha. He cooked Gid Hanasha in milk. And in so doing, he violated five different things. Now, we struggled to find what the fifth thing was. And that's where we leave off. Now, Two of the fifth of the five things were cooking and eating Giranasha, or cooking and eating Basar Bechalav. Now we know, Barry asked yesterday, that there is an Isser to cook, eat, and have Hanaf from Basar Bechalav. So I had to go through the experience of asking Rabbi Gross and looking like a fool, because I asked Barry's question, and Rabbi Gross says, that's the Nakuda Hanifla of the Rambam. Now, 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 in fairness, I didn't learn in Brisk. Rabbi Gross learned in Brisk. You don't go to Brisk and then come out not knowing what the Nakuda Hanifla of the Rambam is. No, 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 Rabbi Gross is, is, a, is a brisker. Anyway, so the point is, uh, uh, should we be embarrassed or should we be proud of ourselves that we hit on the Kudani Flow of the Rambam without going brisk? See that? Okay, that's number one. Number two, um, we talked about at the end, and this is where we pick up, the idea that it's muksa. We ended up not being able to use uh, some, some of the right some of the other suggestions as we searched for our fifth avera. So he said, well, maybe the tr- the um, wood, the firewood that you used for the lighting of the cooking of the gid anasha b'basar was mukta. We said, well, that only makes sense if mukta is deoraisa. Then you remember at the end we talked about internal versus external mukta. We said, okay, so the the, the mukta is deoraisa, and when we talk about the internal the, and, the, and external um, mukta, it turned out that according to Raba, mukta is deoraisa. By the way. By the way, this is this has a name. Yesterday I said, "Do you believe this?" Rabbah holds that Muktzah is the Raisa. Whoever heard of such a thing? It's from the pasuk of Echino Asher Heviu. Well, if for anybody who learned like the first page in the Sechus Beitza, that's called Hachana de Rabbah. <laughs> that also has a very famous name. Everybody's aware of Hachana de Rabbah because it, a lot of people in yeshiva have managed to learn at some point the first page of Beitza. So it's a very famous concept that Rabbah holds. In fact, of Muktzah being Nido Raisa. It's more involved in that, but that that that's that's the issue. If you want to hear um, on why you tell they have Simon Wolf. Expounding greatly on the difference between hoil, which is what we've been discussing, and mitoch. There's a rotosphus that says a uh, great difference. The, what Rashi's position is, is, is unclear. So, with this, without further ado, we get into the word ve'od over here. What is happening here? Well, hachana de rabba. We just said the idea that muksa is the raisa, right, was, it was a, was a point that was made earlier in order to say that it possibly is what the fifth Avera in that case. So before we go further, the Gemara wants to challenge uh, that idea directly as follows. The Ode. Okay. If you say that you're going to get Malchus for using the Muktzah wood on Yantiv, not only do you have the issue that we said yesterday of the wine and the, and the suggestion that the, that the Muktzah is in fact a Derabanan, or at least an external aspect, but you also have another problem if you say that Muktzah is Deraisa, because Ha'atu de'armet chiluk melachas le'shabes ve'ein chiluk melachas le'yantiv. Aha. Uh-huh. 
Okay, well, our case was a Mavashal Di Bechalav right? In that case, it was Mavashal Di on Yantiv. Okay, so again, if you have Malkus for eating Basar Bechalav and for cooking Basar Bechalav and, right, for, for the Averos, the five Averos that you do, if one of them is a Malacha or more than one of them is a Malacha, that would be a problem. Why? Because the case was on Yantiv and we remember from Asechah Shabbos very, very well the idea of Chiluk Malachos, right? The idea of Chiluk Malachos, look at Rashi over here. It's the last wide line. Right? That is, right, very counterintuitive to us because we learned Masech HaShabbos so we know the Chilak Malachas was on Dafai and Gimel and beyond was a huge idea. We said, why are we even telling us that there's such a thing as Malachas? Why are we learning 39 Malachas? So we asked that question multiple times in Masech HaShabbos and we said, well, we want to know because there's Chilak Malachas, you're going to get multiple sets of right punishments. If you do it in Shogeg, you're going to get multiple Korbanos Chatos, etc. However, by Yantiv, you don't have this idea of Chilak Malachas. As Rashi says, Right? right, out of the five Averos, aside from eating and cooking the Gida Nasha, there's also Malachas in there. There's the Bishel of the Gid on Yantiv. And so once you have that, you can't have Muktzah because we don't have Chilak Malachas, which means you can't get two sets of Malachas for one activity on Yantiv in the same way that you do on Shabbos. So that's Abaye's uh, point with regards to the idea that you're uh, violating Malacha de Oraisa. Okay? So now, in light of those issues, questions, Rabbah is going to revise the Brisa. Okay? And the Brisa is as follows. Right? So again, Brisa quoted five of errors that you're doing. One of the errors is Avara, but we have the issue of Chilak Malachas, so we're going to take it out. Before we took it out, we said it's Muktzah. Now, we're going to say, okay, so it's not Muktzah, it's not Havara, right? Havara got into the issues of oil, so we're going to just say a different Avera altogether. A different Avera in Gansan, as they used to say in Laurelton. So, the Avera is Atzei Asherah. Avodah you're not allowed to have any Hana, and you're not allowed to use Atzei Asherah. So if the firewood is Atzei Asherah, clearly that's going to be an Isser. The Azara Mehacha. And anytime you have an Isser, and, you, and in order to get Malchus, you need to have the Azara Natara. It needs to be a Lav. So what's the Lav of Atzei Asherah that would incur Malchus? So the Apostle Gloria, you shouldn't touch, well, not, right, you shouldn't take anything from uh, anything that's Cherim, that's banned. What's going on here? Well, the Rambam learns in Hilchas Avodah Zarah. There's no Rashi here to explain it, but the, the article hooks it up. The Rambam learns from this Pasuk that that's the Pasuk that says you can't have Anah from, from any Avodah Zarah. So, the Rambam uh, takes this Gemara, presumably, and from here he understands that that's where you, you have the Isra Anah on Avodah Zarah. However, uh-huh. If you look later in Hilchas Avodah Zarah, the Rambam, you see an amazing idea that anybody who gets Anah from Avodah Zarah Actually, has, has two averos. One is the loyid bagbiyacha, and the other one is the second pasuk. Even if you're not doing it in your house, right? Birnbaum wants to know what if he didn't uh, cook this in his house. I said Birnbaum, the pasuk says beisecha, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it in your house. It just two psukim to teach you that you get two averos, two violations for any time you get hana from right avodazara, which means that any time you use atzayashera, let's say, and you get hana from it, you're going to get two sets of malchus. That's the point. Right? If it's two lavin, it's two sets of malchus, which would give, bring you, so if that was in fact the case, if this individual, in his doing uh, the activity that incurred all these malchus, did use, did use in fact, atzei asherah, he would in fact get six sets of malchus, not five, and the brightest says five. So that's the kasha. The kasha is you can't take out, you can't say that it's avara, you can't say that it's muksa, you can't say that it's atzei asherah. So what are we going to do? So the Gemara concludes, ela apek havara, the ayel atzei hekdesh. Okay, so it's not havara. Right, the brightest said havara, that's why that's the one we keep taking out. But we, we say, take out havara, um, and then substitute it not with Mukta or with Ashera, but with Hekdesh. Okay, Hekdesh has an Isra. How so? So wait a minute. That Pasuk is also talking about Ashera. What's going on here? How is this Hekdesh? So don't be confused. 
because that pasuk it also right uh, has a latter part of the pasuk of which is referring to hektish. That's the point. So the point is that we have a pasuk to teach you that hektish, and this is only one pasuk. And so if you misappropriate hektish, right, it's essentially meila, um, right. And basically from that pasuk we learn a lav because it says losasum kein lashem and from that lav you're going to get malchus for using the trees of hektish. So now that we've concluded that that's the fifth of, uh, set of Malkus, that's the fifth of Era, we're going to circle it right back to the conundrum of our Mishnah, amazingly enough, right? The Machlokas, Rabba and Ravchista, and Rami Barchama, our famous Rami Barchama, who Shir Schmidtman did her PhD thesis on, comes to make an amazing suggestion. Do you remember what our Mishnah said? Our Mishnah had a conundrum. It said what? Ketzad mafrishin chala betumah biyantiv. That sound feels like a year ago. So ketzad mafrishin chala biyantiv. Okay, how are you supposed to do this? So if you might recall, Rabbi Eliezer said, bake it. Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah said, bake the chalas without being mafresh. What was the issue again? Just go briefly, briefly over the conundrum. You have, you have, you're baking your matzahs. You have to be mafresh chala. But it's already yantiv. So if you bake it, then you might, and you know that for sure you're going to be separating out. This is important. The most common thing to do is you have a whole bunch of matzahs. And you take one of the matzahs and you give it to the coin, right? That's going to be how you're going to be mafish chala. In theory, you could take each matzah and take a piece from each matzah and give it to the coin and chala that way. But that's not what people usually do. People usually give one whole matzah to the coin. That's going to become very significant here momentarily. Okay, now, if you're giving a full matzah to the coin, that means that the matzah that you baked for the coin, it's tame, right? This is tame dough. You can't give that to the coin. So the problem is that you are actually baking something that is inedible. Right, it on yantiv, and that cannot be done because you're only supposed to be baking something edible. So how are you going to do it? So Rabbi Eliezer said, don't designate the chalaya, designate it later, so that at least at the baking stage, you're not being over an avera. At the baking stage, it's going to be good. Rabbi Yeshua said, you know what? Don't bake it at all. You don't want to be over on this iser of baking something inedible and let it rise. Let it rise. That's that's insane. It's Pesach. How are you supposed to let it rise? So. Right, so they had suggestions like pour cold water on it. Don't let it rise. That's one suggestion. Another suggestion is, well, let it rise because it's the coins anyway. It's not yours, right? And then we got into that discussion. But in, and it fundamentally, right? The question was, can you bake it like Rabbi Yezus says, or not like Rabbi Yeshua? So Rami Barham is going to take everything we've discussed and try to knead it together as follows. I'm a Rami Barham. Hader of Chistaver Rabba. The machlokas that we started uh, today's year with of Chistaver Rabba is whether whether we say right hoil or not. Remember, Rabba says hoil. That is the machlokas Rabbi Yezus Rabbi Yeshua. That's the Machlokas Rebbe Yezer and Rebbe Shua in our Gemara. Wow. How so? Rebbe Yezer has Savar Amin and Hoel. Aha. Because Rebbe Yezer, who says you could bake these matzahs, right, is going to say that we hold of Hoel. What does Hoel, since, mean in this context? In this context, it means like this. That since you theoretically could separate out challah from each individual matzah that you're baking, that means that every matzah that you're baking is legitimately baked, is L'Tzarech Yantiv. So, and, and, right? and then, once again, if you're going to take out a piece from one of the matzahs and give it to the coin, then the entire cooking of the matzah is okay. As Rashi explains, right? That would be like shechting an animal. Right? When you shecht an animal, to eat a kazayas of meat, as we learned, you're allowed to do that. You don't have to eat all of the meat in order to, the, to justify shechting the animal. So similarly here, because of the fact, even though, the point is, as Rashi points out, even though you're going to probably give just one matzah to the coin, the whole here is that since, the theoretical hoil is since you could theoretically take out pieces of matzah and give that as challah, so therefore you can bake all of these matzahs. That's hoil. But Yeshua is who's not going to let you bake the matzahs and want you to let the dough rise on its own, right, and give a different suggestion on how to get out of this conundrum. He doesn't hold of hoil, and that's why he is going to say that you cannot 
actually bake the matzahs. This is Rashi, right? Even though ultimately we know that he's going to probably just give a full matzah to the coin, right? And if that were the case, it turns out retroactively that he actually was baking a inedible matzah. That if he had wanted to, he could have, in fact, not just been mafresh one challah, but he could have given pieces from each individual challah, thus justifying the baking of all of the challahs. So that's the application, the incredible chidushi uh, of Rami Barachama, the application of oil to the machlokas in our Mishnah. Wow. Okay, well, that book puts it all together. However, Rav Papa blows it up and says, no, that our that Rabbi Yezer, right, who holds that you can bake the matzah, doesn't necessarily hold so because of oil, and Rabbi Yeshua, who holds you can't bake the matzah, it's not necessarily because he does not have hold of oil. As follows. Amar Papa, Bidim Adkan Lokama Rabbi Yezer, Hasam Darmin Hoyl, it could be that when Eliezer says that you can bake it, it's not because of Hoyle, because maybe in the typical case of Hoyle, we say, right, Hoyle, uh, that Orchem are going to come, right, is a different case. Why? Because the only time he'll say Hoyle is Ella de Be'idna de Ka'ayli le Tanura, Kol Chad Vachad Yechazilalidide, right? In other words, when you say maybe guests are going to come, right, so you're going to be able to what? To potentially use up every morsel of food that you're cooking, right? So, in a situation where every single loaf of bread or every single matzah that you're baking is going to be fit for eating, so there he's going to say, Hoyle, maybe somebody's going to come and eat this. Right? But, but here, right, there aren't any guests, right? And so the question is, right here, the baked food is not fit for himself, right? So maybe there, we're not going to apply Hoyle, right? In other words, um, Right, any right, every any individual challah in theory could be mutter, right? But at the but at the end of the day, right, the actual challah they're not all going. We know that for sure they're not all going to be mutter. So in other words, what uh, Rav Papa is saying that maybe Rabbi Yezer will only hold that you can bake it, right, uh, despite the fact that he does not hold of hoil, right? In the case of hoil, he's saying maybe the orchin will come, maybe the orchin will not come. So then he's not going to say hoil. Right? But in the case of the challah, each individual bread could in fact be kosher. So again, you're baking the challahs, and you could say that each and each and as you bake each challah, just to clarify, because I think I said it a little jumbled. Um, Rabbi Yezer holds that you can bake the matzah, right? So when Rabbi Yezer holds that you, bake, that you can bake the matzah, each individual matzah as he's baking it can in fact be kosher. So you know, right, can in fact be kosher, and that's why perhaps he allows you to bake it. Every single one of these can be kosher, and then that's all that we care about. We're not waiting on this theoretical idea of guests coming. That's the point. But, so in other words, it could be that he has his own reason why he allows you to bake each matzah, because each matzah individually is a permissible occurrence. However, he, re- he rejects the idea of oil because that is too theoretical. We don't know that the orchim are necessarily going to come. So maybe the fact that Rebbe Yezer allows you to make the matzah is not, in fact, a reflection of the fact that he holds of oil, but simply because he has his own cheshman, right, irrespective of oil. Right? That's what it means. Right? So means that he's baking so much and he could never possibly eat this entire thing on his own. The only way he could eat these chalas is if orchim actually shows up. So Rabbi Yezer isn't going to rely on Orchim, these theoretical Orchim, in order to allow the matzah. Just, in other words, the fact that the Orchim are going to come doesn't move the needle for Rabbi Yezer. That's too theoretical. As opposed to the fact that each one of these matzahs, as he's baking them, could in fact be kosher. That's what moves Rabbi Yezer to say that baking the matzah is kosher. Okay. And the flip side is, 11 lines down here in the wide, is also true. Which is, Amar Shisha Bereder of Edi, V'dil Malohi, Adkan Lokam Rishu Hasam Delar Min Hoyl, Right? The flip side is also true. In other words, Rami Barchama recommend, recommended, he suggested, right, the Rabbi Yeshua who says you can't bake this was because he doesn't hold a vote. So he says, wait, wait a minute. 
maybe over there in the Mishnah, we don't apply wide. Because we know that in that, in that bat, there is actually one challah that is fit neither for him or for visitors. Whereas in the case, right, of where you're doing hoil, maybe there he would say hoil, right? In other words, the flip side is also true. Again, so before we said, Rabbi Eliezer says we can bake it, he holds of oil, and Rabbi Yeshua says, who, you can't bake it, doesn't hold of oil. Now it's like, no, maybe Rabbi Eliezer says you can bake it because of a different reason. A hole itself wouldn't be enough for the reason we, we mentioned before because these, it's too theoretical, the guests aren't going to come. The flip side is also true. Yeshua, who doesn't want you to bake it, the reason he, wants you, he doesn't want you to bake it is not because he doesn't hold of this idea of Orchim. Halavai, if he thought that Orchim might come, he, he, he might let you bake it for that because at least if Orchim came in the, in the, in the case of where we're, right, of where, of let's say, shechting an animal, where we're concerned about oil, there he would let you actually shut the animal because it is quite possible that guests will come and if guests do come then in fact everything that you're every challah you're baking so to speak will be eaten right every single one of them is fit for consumption but here right why does Rabbi Shua not let you bake it because we know for sure that one of these matzahs is being baked and is not even going to be fit for consumption regardless of whether it's for you or for the orchim this matzah is, is not going to be uh, allowed to be eaten at all it's tamay challah you can't have something that was mafish challah that's tamay nobody could eat that so again, that's what he says over here. That maybe in a case, right, where you're baking, right, for, for after Yantiv. So again, if the conundrum is that you have Chala Tameya that you're taking off, maybe there, Rabbi Shur won't allow you because one of these matzahs is for sure not fit. As opposed to if what you were doing was doing a baking for Yantiv, let's say to Shabbos, because, and you were baking pure Chalas that everyone can eat. So even though the Orchim are theoretical and they're not here yet, at least we know that every one of these Chalas that you're baking is going to be consumable. And that is why, um, and, and in that case of oil, Rabbi Shur would in fact allow it. So again, even though you may not allow it with the Chalatameah, perhaps Rabbi Shia would allow it when you're talking about baking me, shab, me yantiv to Shabbos. So the, basically what we're saying is Rabbi Bahama's suggestion that the case of Chalatameah by yantiv and the case of baking Chalas from yantiv to Shabbos are comparable and they both are generated by the principle of oil has been rejected by Rav Papa and now by Rav Shisha ben of Edi. Neither Rabbi Yezer or Rabbi Yeshua have to necessarily, in our Mishnah, be fueled, as it were, by the principle of oil. Okay, so... So now there was a dialogue in the base that erupted about Rami Bar suggestion about this about this um, linkage of the Machlokas of Yeshua and our Mishnah to the Machlokas Rabban of Chistav Hoel as follows. So they're discussing in the base and all the Rabbanon bring this question before Rabbi Yirmiya and Rabbi Zera, and they're talking about it. Rabbi Yirmiya Kibla and Rabbi Zera Lo Kibla. Isn't that fascinating? Rabbi Yirmiya liked Rami Bar Pshat, and Rabbi Zera did not like Rami Bar Pshat. So Amalei Rabbi Yirmiya Rabbi Zera. So Rabbi Yirmiya, who liked Rami Bar Pshat, says to Rabbi Zera, "Milsa de Kachilon, the Asya Kama Shanei, the Mai Pligi Rabbi Yezer Rabbi Yeshua." He says, "He says, Rabbi Zera, why are you rejecting Rami Bar Pshat? For years and years and years, we're sitting in the basement of breaking our bread, trying to figure out what the Nakudas and Machlokas in our Mishnah between Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Yeshua is." Right? Rabbi Yezer says, "Bake the matzahs." Rabbi Yeshua says, "Let the dough rise." And we couldn't figure out what the Nakudas and Machlokas was. And Hashda Amrum made the Gavra Rabba, and now we have Pshat. We finally have Pshat from a Gavra Rabba. At this point, Shir Shmidman is doing cartwheels, right? Because her man, Rami Barhama, was referred to by Rabbi Yirmiya as a Gavarabba. And he said, so you hear from Gavarabba, the Lodni Kabla, and we're not gonna accept? We're not gonna accept his pshat? He's like, I've been thirsting, right? Isn't this an amazing idea? I've been thirsting for a pshat here as to what the Nakudas and Machlokas is between Rabbi Yezer and Rishu and our Mishnah. And finally we got pshat from Rami Barhama. You got a, a, a Gadol Israel giving you pshat. And you're gonna say, nah, I don't like that pshat? How can you not accept it? To which Rabbi Yezer responds, I'm a light. Hey, Kabla, how can I accept this pshat? The Tanina, I have a brisa that rejects the pshat for me. I'm a lay Rabbi Yeshua. In the brisa, Rabbi Yeshua said, that according to your opinion that says that you bake all the chalas on Yantiv, you're over of, of the malacha of baking. In other words, Rabbi Yeshua, we have a brisa 
that is a continuation of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah just says the sheet that Rabbi says you can, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says that you have to leave it. And then there's a Bryce that records a conversation between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yezer afterwards. So what happened was Rabbi Yeshua said to Rabbi Yezer, he said, according to your opinion, that you can bake all the chalas, you're over los asakal malacha. Why? Because one of the chalas that you're baking is not, is in fact not for ochel nefesh. One of the chalas that you're baking is a malacha where for, of, of baking something that's going to be inedible. So that was a conversation to which Rishasakle. And the way the Bryce records the conversation with Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yezer was silent. Okay. Which Rabbi Zera assumed was an indication of a tacit agreement. The Isa, right, and if this whole Rami Bahama idea that it is based on the principle of oil, and that that's why Rabbi Yezer lets you make the chalas, so then Lamalay Taima Didi Mishim Hoel. So instead of being silent at Rabbi Yeshua's right uh, question, Rabbi Yezer could have simply said, "Well, the re- I don't think that I'm over Los Malacha because simply I hold of the principle of oil." Okay, in other words, I don't think that we bake the matzah, an inedible matzah, and we're over on this avera because I hold of oil, and therefore because I hold of oil. I, in fact, am baking all these matzahs with, a permissive, right, in, with permission. Well, the fact that he didn't say that must mean, says, uh, right, must mean, uh, says Rabbi Yirmiya, or rather Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Zera rejects it, rejects Rabbi Barhama. Rabbi Zera says the fact that Rabbi Yezer did not answer that and was silent, seemingly in tacit agreement of the kasha that Rabbi Yeshua asked on him must be an indication that Rabbi Yezer does not hold of Hoel. To summarize, Rabbi Zera is saying that Rabbi, Rabbi um, Eliezer had he held of oil, would have had an answer for Rabbi Yeshua in the Brisa. Okay, but Rabbi Yirmiya says, no, I don't understand. Rabbi Zayir, you think just because it says in the Brisa that Rabbi was silent, do you think that that means that he agreed that this person is doing something wrong when he's baking the matzah according to Rabbi Yezer? That doesn't sound right. As follows, according to your reasoning that this silence represents a tacit agreement, how do you understand the following Brisa? How did Tanina Brisa, we learned the Brisa the following. Amalur Rabbi Yezer, well, we also have a Brisa. We don't have just have a Brisa where Rabbi Yeshua challenges Rabbi Yezer. We also have a Brisa where Rabbi Yezer challenges Rabbi Yeshua. And in that Brisa, Rabbi Yezer said to Rabbi Yeshua, Amalur Rabbi Yezer, according to your opinion, right, where you designate a piece of dough as challah, right, and then you don't end up baking it, you're going to be over by your matzah, right? This dough is going to rise. And we said before in the Mishnah, okay, maybe Rabbi Shua is going to say that he doesn't own it, but at least Rabbi Yezer, who said that you baked it, right, each, it's a real conundrum, right? Each side has a real problem. Rabbi Yezer has the problem of maybe you're baking matzahs that are inedible on Yantiv and therefore over a malacha. And, and Rabbi Yeshua has the problem that maybe by leaving over this dough to leaven, you are violating by your matzah. Well, in the recounting of that price of Ishasakli, Rabbi Shua, in answer to Rabbi Yezer's challenge, was also silent. So what are you going to say, says Rabbi Yirmiya? You're going to say that there too, that the reason why he didn't answer him was because he didn't think that that was Bali Yerav It can't be. Why? Because in our very Mishnah, right? In our very Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua says to Rabbi Yezer, that this is not the Chametz where we're warned by Yerav Matzei. So we see that Rabbi Yeshua, in fact, had an answer. In our very Mishnah, Right? Rabbi Yeshua has to answer how we're not over by Yerodei Matzei. And he explains that it's because the Matzei isn't his. But in the, but in the record of the Brisa, there is no record of Rabbi Yeshua giving that response. Uh-huh. Get it, Andrew? In other words, the point is, Rabbi Yeshua being silent in the Brisa is not an indication that he was stumped by Rabbi Yezer. Because we see in our Mishnah that he was not stumped by Rabbi Yezer. So similarly, Rabbi Yezer being silent in the Brisa doesn't have to be an indication that he was stumped by Rabbi Yeshua. He could have had an answer. It's just not recorded in the Brisa. That's all. Ah. And you're going to say the fact that he's silent in the Brisa is a whole variety. He doesn't have a whole oil. That doesn't sound right. Says the Gemara, Hachanami, Emer Shasiklevi Masnisen, Vahadalevi Mechilta Achriti. We can say Rabbi Yezer was silent in the Brisa. That's fine. Or, right, but. His silence is not an indication of a tacit agreement. Rather, we'll find it in Mechilta Achriti. Some other collection of Brises will find that Rabbi Yezer, in fact, also had an answer. Okay. Fine. So now, eight lines up from the bottom of Memches and Aleph, we're going to discuss what is the halacha, halacha Maisa, with respect to the machlokas in our Mishnah. So Tanya, the Brises says, Rabbi Yomer halacha Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yitzchak, Omer halacha Kivem Veseira. 
Right? Anytime we had a Bechina uh, in school, in high school, whenever they would ask, what's the, what's the halacha? It's always the safest answer to say, it's a machlokas. And you just leave it at that. If you don't know the answer, I'm saying. Anyway, so, maybe you held like the that you bake it before you separate it. Rabbi says, the halacha is given to the And the in the mission says that you pour cold water on it. Okay. Okay, so the Brisa continues with Kamashir Isa. So now we're going we're gonna to set off uh, spending the rest of the daf talking about matzah baking halachas. Matzah baking halachas. Rashi, Kamashir Isa. What, uh, what, is, what is this question? Rashi, There is a certain threshold where if you're, if you're taking too much dough, you're not going to be able to handle it. And you're, gonna, and you're not going to be able to control the chimutz process. So we want to set uh, an amount here. What is that threshold, right? If you have a little bit of dough, you can be very efficient, you can manage it, and you can kind of spread it out and make sure that you're not. You've been matzah baking before? Uh, we really need to do matzah baking this year. That would be amazing. As a matter of fact, Masechah Pesachim, it's finished like a week before Pesach this year. So that would be amazing if we went matzah baking. Anyway, what's going to be our maximum amount? We've done matzah baking. It's really fun. Okay. So what's the ma- so that if you're making it depends. Are you making are you making barley matzah or are you making wheat matzah? If you were making the wheat matzah, it's two kabin, which is like forty-eight kavetas. It was orange lotus kabin. But if you're baking the right barley matzahs, then you could even do three kabin, seventy-two bases a lot. Um, well that was presumed. Why would you be available to do more with barley? So that sounds like barley rises slower. And therefore you could have a larger measure of barley when you're doing barley dough when you're making barley matzah. Okay. Uh-oh. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Nassan hold, uh, heard from Rabbi Eliezer that in fact the, right, the barley does not rise slower, it rises faster, so he just switches it up. So the barley is going to be the 48 betas and the, and the wheat is going to be 72, fine. Well, the Hatanya, this, this, all, this machlokas in itself is inconsistent with a different brisa. What happened in the other brisa? Rabbi Shemal, Benosha, Rabbi Yochanan, Benbroka, Omer, Bechitin, Shloshes, Kabin, Vesor, and Arba, Kabin. Well, we have two brises in the name of Rabbi Shemal, Benosha, Rabbi Yochanan, Benbroka, where we have different ratios. In one, it's two and three, and in this brisa, it's three and four. Three carbon for wheat and four carbon for sorin. So what gives? So the Gemara answers low kasher. Habe chasi chasa, right? One is with poor grain. Habe mal yasa, and the other one is with superior grain. So the, the assumption here is that superior grain is going to in fact start leavening faster. So the one where it lets you have less is the superior grain. If you're using the inferior grain, it's going to leaven slower, and then you could do a larger amounts of dough. Okay. So based on that, Rapapa says the following. Amar Papa shmami na, right? From this, so it sounds like right the wheat of the poor. Uh, Ratio-wise, the wheat of the poor depreciates quicker, right? Because right, the relationship of the of the good wheat uh, to the good to the bad wheat is more. Um, is, in other words, when you have wheat, if the wheat is poor wheat, that's going to affect the ratio more than if you have bad barley as opposed to good barley, right? The because in one, the difference between one of the two qualities is one third, and here, with respect to the barley, the difference is one fourth. And that kind of stands to reason, because, right, so again, we have a depreciation issue here. That stands to reason, because barley, even in its best state, is not that great. So I'm not surprised, right? Like the best thing is the refined, high quality wheat. That's what we like to use the best. So that's going to leaven the fastest. But barley, like, okay, so high quality, low quality barley, barley is always considered a slightly lower quality, and therefore um, the, the drop-off isn't as great when you're talking about the lower quality barley. Okay. So now a related halacha here. I'm a Rav. It's interesting, because we had machlokas here of Tanaim. Uh, and then Rav, who's a Tanahu Pali, right? Rav, who's like a more on such a high level that he is uh, entitled to his opinion when it comes to these things. So he says a totally different opinion. Kaba milogna lepischa. How much is the maximum that you're allowed to need uh, for Pesach? It's a Kav Melogna. I don't know where Melogna is, but that's the name of the place. 
Um, okay, and so the halachic is the kav of melogna, chen lechala. And in, interestingly, there is an intersection of these two things again. Chala also, right? There's a minimum amount that you have to have for chala, and a maximum amount that you can have for uh, for matzah. This is going to be relevant because don't forget, you have to be mafresh chala and matzah also. So, isn't it interesting, Andrew, that the minimum amount of dough that you need for chala is the maximum amount that you're allowed to bake with matzah, so as not to be machmitz? How are you ever going to be mafresh chala on the matzah? Right? You can't, you can't, you can't, right? you can't do that exact amount, so what are you going to do? So let's see. So it says, Vahatanya, really, um, right, they amended over here, they said it should be Tanan, because this is an explicit mission on Mesechus Chala, as we turn to Mesechus Beis, it says, Chamesha Survayim Kemach Vahot Chayarim Bechala. Well, we, it doesn't say, in, it is often a mission in, in Chala, that it doesn't say it's the Kabba Milubna. It says that it's what? Chamesha Survayim, five quarters of a Kav, which means a, a, a Kav and a quarter. Chayav and Bechala, that's what, that's the minimum shear for Chayav and Bechala. So what's this Kav Milubna business? So the Gemara says, "No, Hachi Kamar, Kavan Belovnai, Naimi Hachi Shirokai, Kavan Belovnai is a Kavan a quarter." If you uh, want to take the time, because we we have uh, only ten minutes left to do Amar Beis, Amar Beis goes fast, but not that fast because there's a history lesson in this first Rashi, long Rashi, Amar Chesam Beis, that says the history of the Lug and the history of these Shiurim. Right? It's not like a metric, whatever, a metric uh, kilo. That's always been the same since the beginning of man. These are lugim and kavim that have changed historically. So he takes you through it. That there's the midbarim. They had the they had the kav of the midbar and the lugim of, of then of Yerushalayim and then the lug of Tzipori. And over time, the, the actual measurement changed according to the socioeconomics of the time. It's a very fascinating history lesson that Rashi gives you to account for some of the discrepancies in these shiurim. How you can say, well, the kav and Bologna is the kav and a quarter of the Tzipori, right? You have to reconcile that because that's how the Gemara just reconciled it. So how would you be able to reconcile it? It's not so you can't say like. A kilo here is a kilo and a quarter there. This doesn't have to do with like gravity, like a kilo on the moon is like a kilo in, in, on Earth. This has to do with the, the fact that these things were a little bit more fluid than what we're used to, right? These, uh, these measurements changed in, according to time and place. Okay, very fascinating. Okay, now, okay, uh, three lines down in Melchizedek Beis. We're talking about the maximum number of people you can have at one time making dough on Pesach in the matzah baking. Amar Yosef, how did Nashi done? Our women, no, they bake no more than three quarters of kav, otherwise known as a kapiza, at a time. Okay, right? So even though they could do a kav or a kav and a quarter, they only do three quarters of a kav. They try to be most efficient. And so Amalei Abai, Abai asks Rabbi Yosef, Mai daitoch, the chumrah? Why are they doing this? They're being machmir or they think it's maker adin? That, if this is a chumrah, chumrah da'asi de kulahu. This is a, one of those chumras that can also is a kula on the other end. Why? There it is. That's what we said. There's a maximum shear that they're willing to use dough in order to, to, to avoid chimuts. But there's also a minimum shear of dough for which you have to be mafresh chala. So by being extra machmir with the Muhammad's issue, they're actually avoiding being mafresh chala. That chumra turns into a kula with respect to hilchas chala. To which Yosef responds, no, I'm a lay. The abdin kerbili yezer. It's not. They know they, they hold the kerbili yezer. Kerbili yezer, right, in the Mishnah, this Mishnah has to be in chala, yeah, it is, in the second paragraph of chala. Ah, you don't have to be mafresh chala in the dough stage. You could do it in the b- baked stage as long as it's still nice and hot and fresh. You bake the loaves, put them in the basket, and asal mitzar from the chala. And the basket, even though it's individual rolls or matzahs or whatever it is, it, just the fact that they're together in the basket, they all add up to the shear, and that is where you get the minimum shear. So even though each individual chala is going to be three quarters of a kav, you put them all together, and it comes out to many kav, and you can be mafresh chala. And in fact, we hold like him. And in fact, Rashi quotes this halacha, and this is how we do do it. That's how we're mafresh chala on matzah. So I'm a did Levi say that this whole idea of adding up all the individual chalas in the basket has to do only with the Babylonian loaves? just means that they are sort of like, they're like uh, kind of twisted up in a way where they combine with each other because they fit like puzzle pieces in the basket. But the narrow, long narrow ones, right, that just looks like baguettes, 
since they don't combine, there he's not going to let you bring challah. So Yosef says, no, regarding that specific issue, Rabchanina says, no, he says, even though the gets are fine, you can be mafresh challah on them as long as they're together in the basket. Now the Gemara has an interesting shayla. It says, does it have to be like a basket or can it also be like a challah board, like a flat? That's what that means. Just right, just like a plata or like a challah board that has no vertical, uh, vertical rim. Is that enough? To combine all of these chalas for right for the freshest chalas, so Rabbi explains tochli ba'ina v'aleka odilma avirkli ba'ina v'aleka. In other words, he talks you through the anatomy of the shaila. Are we saying that it's it's like because they're all internal to the kli and therefore that's what combines them? That would mean that that it would not work because this is not this doesn't have that kind of in, inner airspace. Odilma avirkli ba'ina v'aleka. Or you consider like the kli as if it goes all the way up to the sky and then just putting on a challah board would in fact. Um, combine them, take it with the Gemara. Says no, we'll, we'll wait for Mashiach to resolve that answer. Until then, just put it in a basket. Don't put it on a flat plane um, board. And in a related bray, so tiny everybody has a romer, asal mitzarfon, the basket does combine the stephan loaves, rishu omer tonner mitzarfon, that in the oven, right, even if they're not afterwards placed in the basket, he's more making with regards to challah, as long as they were all baked in the same oven, that's going to be allowed. So that really works, right? You're doing each individual matzah is going to be, let's say, three quarter of a kabin worth of dough, but they're all together in the tanur. That's enough for fresh challah. And that's where we got the idea of the kikar shel bavel. We have the mission over here. We have five minutes. Let's see. The mission is going to discuss more matzah baking alakas. You have several women baking matzahs in Pesach. They're using a small oven, right? And so they have a whole system. Three women at a time can go. Right? And they bake in the oven one after the other. So it means that each one is baking their own bread, but they're using the oven, they're waiting one after the other. So that's the maximum number of women that could do it. In other words, they're not doing it all together. One woman's going to use the oven, then, then when she's done the next one, and when she's done the next one, there's three women's worth of time in the oven is enough time to get in there without uh, problems of chimuts. If these three women are doing the batek achas, then you can't just go one after the other. That's too dangerous. So you have to have a system. You have to do it like we do it when we go matzah baking. One person is kneading, one person is spreading it out with the spreader and the, and the hole maker, and the other one is baking, and you just keep rotating. And that's the way you're going to avoid chimuts. But you can't just go one after the other. That's we don't. not enough time. So what kind of categorical machlokas is this? Every case is so individual, it's so different. Some women are faster than others, right? Some some tanurim are, are hotter than others. This is so case specific. To which the Mishnah concludes, Well, if the dough swells, then you can just moisten your hands with cold water, and then you can undo the chimut process. So now the Gemara says, Tanurabun, fleshing out this uh, question, Right? Let's say the woman, she's kneading the bread and she shapes it. And then her friend is kneading another dough in her place. And then the first woman, right, that, that shaped it, she's the one that bakes it. So you can have two women and they're switching off. It's just, you know, explaining the anatomy of, of these matzah baking. Actually, she's lashon and the third woman starts baking again. And the first woman that baked her dough, she goes back around and they're running around. And this is how they're doing this procedure of baking the matzahs where everybody's going to their stations and running from station to station. Here it doesn't mean it means uh, a rotation, like, like a machol, like a circle dance, right? So they basically take stations and they rotate, literally. As long as everyone is occupied with the dough at the same time, you're never going to have the issue of chilas, and that's fine. So then the Gemara quotes that Rabbi Kiva said in the Mishnah, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva said, why are we saying these categorical halachas? Three women, not three women. I mean, every case is so different. So Tanya, I'm Rabbi Kiva, we have a bright that where Rabbi Kiva says, Danti lifnei Rabban Gamliel. I said to Rabbi Gamliel, and I said, He says, tell me how you can come up with a categorical answer to this. I mean, I asked in my Rebbe, says Rebbe Kiva, some women are fast, some women are slow. Some wood is, is wet, some wood is dry, and therefore it burns faster. Some ovens are hotter than others. So how can you have a categorical issue? So I'm going to actually had an answer for this. What's seemingly great question. He answered me, 
Look at the end of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that no matter how you do it, at the end of the day, all that matters is that when you see the dough rising, you just put it in cold water and you stop it from rising. And therefore, you can always do that. And so you don't have to make a categorical issue. You can just always handle it in real time. So we made it up to the bottom Mishnah over here on Chesamid Bay's.